Well, turning your Bibles to Luke 17, we continue, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And Luke, of course, tells Jesus as the Savior. He is the sacrifice and the substitute for the sins of the world. He's almost to Jerusalem. He has left the northern part of, of Israel, Galilee. He's coming down. He's coming to do the will of the Father. And what is that? That is to die and rise again. That is to pay for sin. It is to conquer death. We are seeing the powerful story of our Savior Jesus. As he nears Jerusalem, he's been teaching. That's what we've seen. We've seen he instructs the crowds as a whole, and then he's talked to the religious leaders, and then he talked to disciples. And this morning, we're going to see that he actually talks to the apostles. He has taught so much in these last few chapters. He's taught about salvation and discipleship, stewardship, even life after death. Last time, we began looking at this area, this little section, and there are two areas there. One is the relationship to others that we talked last week about sin and forgiveness and, and confession and how all that fits together. So relationship to others. Well, as we continue, it's going to be relationship to God. And the key there is the idea of faith and faithfulness. Now, last time we saw those great truths concerning sin and, 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 and basically confrontation and forgiveness. Well, this morning we're going to think about faith and faithfulness. And, and what is faith? And how are we to be faithful? What are we supposed to do? There's a lot as we look at this, may we gain from our study. Now, when you think about being a Christian, I mean, there's some things there that are contrast. Think about this. First of all, we were dead, but now we are alive in Jesus Christ. We were lost, but now we're found. We were in darkness, but now we're in a light. In fact, we're called children of light. We were children of the devil, and now we're children of God. We were destined for separation to the lake of fire. And now we have eternal life with Jesus Christ. And think about how we live. There's a paradox in the Christian life. It says when we're weak, that's when we're strong. It says the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. It says if you want to be great, you have to be a servant over and over. Do we realize that as children of God and all the privileges we have with being children of God, we are also servants, slaves of the living God? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, What do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in our bodies. We are servants of Jesus Christ. How are we to live? How are we to live as those who belong to Christ? And Well, the key, and we've seen it over and over throughout the Scripture, the key is faithfulness. The key in our Christian life and our service in this time while we're on this earth is faithfulness. And so this morning we're going to look at Luke 17 as we continue. We see the issue of being faithful servants of Jesus Christ and how we should live and how we look at our service. And we'll see there's a lot there. Well, let's begin. Jesus is nearing Jerusalem. We'll see even where he is specifically next week as we continue in our study. His plan is to die and rise again. He's coming to Jerusalem to die on the cross, pay for sin, rise again. He is our Savior. He has taken our place. He has taught so many things in just these last three or four chapters that we've been studying. He talked about how to to have eternal life. Eternal life is just a gift simply by faith. He thought about how to be a disciple when he said, take up your cross and follow me, die to yourself, that whole idea of living for Jesus Christ. He talked about being wise stewards of God, realizing everything that we have comes from God and that we're to use it for his honor and glory. We talked one week about what happens when we die. Where do we go and what do we do? We talked about the heart of the earth and Hades or Sheol and paradise and, and torments and all of those things. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And then the last time, we saw the whole thing about sin and forgiveness. And it was powerful because forgiveness is the key. And we talked about it last week. If you do not forgive, if you don't understand what it is, and when people hurt you because they are going to hurt you, if you do not forgive, you'll go the rest of your life as a bitter, angry, depressed person. We talked about that. This morning, we'll see the whole idea of faith and faithfulness. Let me break down the passage for you now. 
This little section goes together, the first ten verses. Last week, relationship to others. We talked about living a godly lifestyle so we won't cause someone to stumble. And then he talked about what if somebody sins against you? What do you do? We saw about sin and confrontation and forgiveness. Well, this morning, we switch in a sense to the relationship to God and the whole idea of faith. And we're going to talk about what is faith and how all that ties together. And then we're going to see about faithfulness. He's going to give us a, a little story and we see about a slave. Uh, and, and about service, and it helps us to realize what about our faithfulness in our service to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Last time, powerful truths dealing with sin and forgiveness. Today, the focus on faith and faithfulness. What, why does he go into, because if you remember from reading from last week, he talked about sin, and, and if somebody sins against you, rebuke them as they forgive, you know, if they come to you and, and, and basically repent, you forgive them and you forgive them every time. Why does he then move to this whole issue of where they say, Lord, increase our faith? Why does this issue come up? Well, remember, he's just taught about forgiveness. And he said, every time someone sins against you, you forgive them. And you know, that's hard. That's hard. People hurt us. People hurt us all the time. You go through life, and we talked about it last week. If you haven't been hurt by somebody, you haven't lived long enough yet, but you will be. And sometimes people hurt you, and they they don't even mean to hurt you. And then sometimes people hurt you, and they hurt you on purpose. And in every situation, you must forgive. You must release the debt. Remember that that forgiveness is releasing the debt. And it's hard to do. It's trusting God to deal with them. And remember, the Bible says, don't return evil with evil, return evil with good. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. You have to put it back into God's hands. And you say, I forgive them, I release the debt, I'll, I'll leave it to God. He will deal with them. Well, you're going to have to trust God when you do that. And that's why when hearing Jesus say that, they say, if you notice verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. What does this mean? Why, you know, what's going on? As we, as we think about this, I think there are four things we're going to look at as we go through the passage. First of all, we're going to raise the question, what is faith? Because sometimes people are confused about it. Second is, what are the keys in faith? And there are a lot of people confused about this one. The third thing is, what are we to be doing as faithful servants? And then the last question we'll talk about as we go through is, how should we view our service for Christ? So what is faith? You know, What is it? What are the keys? What are we supposed to be doing as faithful servants? And how should we view what we do? Well, what happened? What did they say to him, to Jesus? Look at Luke 17, verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, notice who the one is talking to Jesus. It's the apostles. For a while, you notice he had taught the big crowd, large crowd, people, everybody following Jesus. They want to be fed. They want to see a miracle. They want all these things. Large crowd. Then there's some times that he stopped and he actually directed his teaching to those religious leaders, the people who hadn't believed in him. Last week, we said he turned and he began to talk to the disciples. Those were ones who not only believed in him, but were following him. And now this morning, it says, the apostles said to the Lord. Remember, the apostles were 12 men that Jesus chose, separated them out even from the disciples, gave them authority. We call them the apostles of Jesus Christ. And as time goes by, we'll see after Jesus dies and rises again, one of these apostles is going to die. That's Judas. And then we're going to see that these remaining ones, they actually call them the twelve, even though they're eleven, they will be used by God to take the message of Jesus Christ with the authority of Jesus Christ later on. But anyway, these, these apostles say to the Lord, and look what they say, increase our faith. Increase our faith. You know, that, that's the question. Increase our faith. And we go, well, what exactly is that? And in fact, literally they're saying, add to our faith. See, they're not saying we don't have any faith. They're saying we got faith, but we need more faith. Increase our faith. 
Well, as we look at this, let's put it together. Because you may say, I just wish I had more faith. That's what they're saying to Jesus when, they, when he said, every time somebody does something wrong to you, forgive them. And they go, you're going to have to increase our faith on this one. Right? Isn't that what you'd say? That's what they say, increase our faith. Let's start with first. the first question is, what is faith? Simply put, faith is taking God at his word. It is being persuaded that something is true. That's what faith is. That's what believing. We believe that is faith. We believe that it is true. We are persuaded that it is true. When God says, I love you with an everlasting love, we say, I believe God loves me. That's faith. When he says, I give you eternal life, we believe that we have eternal life. That Jesus died for us on the cross, that he paid for sins. We trust in him to give us eternal life. We are persuaded. That's what faith is. Faith is taking God at His word. There's a Greek word. There's a verb. Pistuo is the verb. Pistis is the noun. They both mean faith or trust. That idea. And so when some people say, well, there's a word for faith and there's a word for trust and there's a word for belief, it's all the same Greek word. Same Greek word translated faith, trust, believe. It means to take something as true. It means to be persuaded it is true. They say to Jesus, we... We want more faith. Well, here's the question is, and that is this. What are the keys in faith? Now, hold that because we're going to see that in just a second. Just hold it right there. Notice, uh, they said, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, I want you to understand the key in faith. The first aspect, what are the key? The first one is, the key in faith, it's not the amount of faith. See, they're saying, we need some more faith. Jesus is going to tell them, that's not the issue. The issue is not more faith. The key in faith is not the amount of faith. It is the object of the faith. It's the object of faith. Notice he says, if you had, and it's a third class if, maybe, maybe not. No, excuse me, it's a first class if, and it's true. If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would be able to say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted, be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, when he says mustard seed, at that time, for them, that was the smallest seed. It was so little bitty, bunches of them could be in your hand, little bitty seed. He's saying, if you had faith like that little bitty seed, tiny faith, Tiny faith, you could say to the tree, get up, get out of there, and go plant yourself in the sea. And it would obey you. See, his point is, it's not how much faith you have. I've got to have enough faith to tell that tree to do that. He said, if you had faith as tiny as a mustard seed, you could do it. Because, see, it's not the amount of faith that you have. It is the object of your faith. We trust in Jesus Christ. It's not how much we trust in Jesus Christ. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. Faith always has an object. I want you to understand something. Faith always has an object. We have objective truth that we believe. People say, just believe. And when people say to me, just believe, I say, believe what? There has to be an object to our faith always. The object to our faith for salvation is Jesus Christ. We trust in Him. Now you've heard people say, but there's a leap of faith. You just, you, you, you just believe. 
There's no such thing as a leap of faith. Let me give you the example that people always say. They say there's this man and he's walking on a mountain at night. Why is he walking on the mountain at night? I don't know. And he falls over the side. He falls over the side and he grabs a hold of this branch and he's just hanging on the side of this mountain. And he's going, help me, help me. But nobody's there. And suddenly he hears a voice. And the voice says, I'm here. Who are you? There is a ledge. Six inches under you. You don't know it's there. Let go and you will land on the ledge. Everybody says, that's a leap of faith. No, it's not. The object of his faith is whoever that voice is. He's believing that voice that he can let go and he'll be okay. There is no such thing as a leap of faith. And faith always has an object. Always. He's saying to them... The key in faith is not the amount of faith. It's the object of our faith. Let me give you another example. I could say to you, guess what? I've I've got all the faith I can muster up, and I'm really sincere, and I'm believing in Buddha to save me. I got it all, man. I mean, every bit of faith I can just mount up. I got just piles of faith, and I'm very sincere about it, too. And I'm going to trust in Buddha. Am I saved? What's the answer? No, I'm not saved because Buddha's not a savior. I can put all the faith in the world in Buddha and he can't save me. I can put the faith as small as a grain of mustard seed in Jesus Christ and I have eternal life. It is not the amount of faith. It is not the quality of faith. It is the object of your faith that saves you. And the object of your faith is Jesus Christ. And so when they say to Jesus, increase our faith, he says, listen, if you had the faith as small as a mustard seed, just a little bitty, you could tell the tree to go jump into the ocean and it would obey you. So when we're talking about faith, it's not the amount, it's the object. What is the second thing we want to look at? What is the basis? What is the basis for our faith? And it goes back, it goes back to the object always. And the basis of our faith is Jesus Christ and the Word of God. It goes back to God's Word. Think of John 17, 17. <coughs> Thy Word is truth. We go back to the truths of God's Word. We go back to what we believe about Jesus Christ. We trust in Him and we trust in the Word of God. For, the, for salvation, the object of our faith is Jesus. We trust in Him and Him alone for salvation. For our Christian life, the object of our faith is God's Scripture, God's Word that tells us the rights and the wrongs and how to live. In Romans chapter 4, Abraham said he was fully convinced that what God promised, he was able to do. He goes back to the Word of God. So faith is taking God at His Word. The object of our faith is the key. And, and the ba- what is the basis for our faith? It's Jesus Christ for eternal life. It's the Word of God as we live the Christian life. That takes us to the third question that everybody always asks. That is, how do we increase our faith? Because that's the question they ask. And you know what? He didn't answer it. Because that's not the question that he really wanted to answer. Because he says it's not, the issue is not how much faith you have. The issue is the object of your faith. But you can increase your faith and there's a way that we do that. The only way to increase our faith is to increase the object of our faith. And as you go through the Christian life, the more you know of God's written revelation, the more you know of the truth, God's word, the more you can apply. The more you know, the more you believe. You say, I believe this, I believe this. I didn't even know this was over here. Now I believe this. So the object of your faith or your faith can increase as the object of your faith increases. But when they asked Jesus, increase our faith, he said, that's really not the issue. Because if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could, you could uh, tell the tree to go right into the ocean, and it would. 
As we study and know and apply God's word, we know more of the promises, more of the truth, more of the principles. Then, in a sense, our faith increases that way. So, in summary, as we go through life, trust God. Take him at his word. Know the promises and the power. We want to be men and women of faith. That you take God at his word. That you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. So that's what faith is. Taking God at his word. The object of our faith for salvation is Jesus Christ. The object of our faith for the Christian life is the word of God. Now, from this, because he's talking to them about trusting him, he then talk, then moves to the whole issue of faithfulness and faithful in service. The charge for us is not only to be to be believers in the sense that I believe in Jesus as my Savior, I believe in the Word of God. It is to be faithful people. It is to live out who we are, to bring glory to our Savior. First Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, brethren, it is required of stewards to be found faithful. He's going to give an illustration of service and what is expected from us as a servant. He shows them this. And by the way, it's not exactly what you think. Notice, he raises some questions to them. He says, Now which of you... Having a slave, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he comes in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat. He's going to talk about the role of the slave, and the role of the slave is to serve the master. And we are slaves of Jesus Christ, and our role is to serve our master. And he uses this example. He says, now, if you have a slave, and he's out plowing or tending sheep, And when he comes in from the field, do you say to him, Hey, come on in, sit down, get you something to eat. They're expecting the answer to be what? No, no, that's a slave. He's been working in the field. He's been doing his thing. When he comes in, the master doesn't say, Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry you're out there working so hard. Just sit down and eat. No. But what will he say to him? But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat? And properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink. And afterward, you may eat and drink. He says to the slave when he comes in, uh, fix me something to eat. Put the clothes on to serve me. I will eat and I will drink. You will serve me. That's your responsibility. And then when I get through, when you get through serving me, then you may eat and drink. He's supposed, to, he's supposed to do what he's supposed to do. That's what verse 9 says. He does not thank the slave because he did these things which were commanded, does he? It's as expected. The slave is expected to fulfill his role. Now, this is where it gets hard. We are expected to fulfill our role as servants of Jesus Christ. Question three, what are we to be doing as faithful servants? The answer is to fulfill our responsibility. We belong to Christ, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We're to be faithful, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. What are we to do? So if you ask yourself this, wait a minute. So what you're saying is, Jesus is saying, you know, we're, we're servants. Because he's talking to the apostles. And we say to ourselves, okay, we're servants of Jesus Christ. What are we expected to do? That means he's going to say, Oh, I really want to appreciate so much you serving me. That's expected that we serve him. Look what we are to do. We are to be ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 
It says we're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech through you. We are to tell people about Christ as ambassadors, as his representatives. The second thing, we are to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Acts 1.8, but you shall be power when the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. He is speaking, of course, to the apostles, but the application goes down to all believers that we're witnesses of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're to go into this community with that message. There's a third thing that we are to do. We are to make disciples, Matthew 28:18 through 20. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe which all which I've commanded you. We're to tell people about Jesus Christ and train them and equip them. We're to be disciple makers. We're to be disciples, so we make disciples. There's another thing that we do. We're to proclaim the truth of God's word. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word in season, out of season, reprove, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instructions. We're to know the Bible and we're to help other people know the scripture. That's what we're supposed to do. There's more. We're to use our gifts to equip others. 1 Timothy 4.12, as, as each one has received a gift, employed in serving one another as stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whatever spiritual gifts you have, you are to be faithfully using your gifts to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ. There's another thing. I just put this one in here. We're to bring glory to God. We're to be the lights of this world. In Philippians 2.14, we're to do all things without grumbling and complaining so we'd prove ourselves to be innocent and blameless, children of God, above reproach in a crooked and perverse generation in which we shine as lights in this world. So what are we supposed to do? It's powerful. We're to be faithful servants of Jesus Christ. This is what we are to do. Are you Christ ambassadors? Do you know and apply the word of God? Are you bringing out, the, taking the message of Jesus Christ in this community? Are you using your gifts, touching lives, bringing glory to Jesus Christ? Are you being a faithful servant? This is what we are supposed to do. Now, I get to the last question, and this is the hardest part of all. Number four, how should we view our service for Christ? We are only doing what God has commanded us to do. In humility, we count it a privilege to serve our God and Savior. Notice what he said, verse 10. So you too, he's talking to the apostles. He says, you have a certain, so what if you had a slave? He's out in the field. He comes in. You tell him to do his stuff. And when he does his stuff, bottom line, he says, he's just doing what he's been commanded to do. And then he looks at the apostles and says, so you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We've only done, or we've done only that which we ought to have done. We say to ourselves, we are unworthy. The word unworthy there just has this idea of ordinary. We're not special by serving God. Every believer is supposed to serve God. We just say in humility, wow, I'm only doing what God has for me to do. When we live for Jesus Christ, making disciples, bringing glory to Christ, this is what we are to do. Living for Christ is expected, and if not, we're unfaithful. See, so often we say things like this. You know, uh, I've trusted Christ as Savior, and, and I'm going through life, and, and, you know, maybe one of these days I'll, I'll get more involved, I'll do more. This Life is busy. And you look over at those people and you say, you know, those guys, they're on fire and they teach Bible studies and they do this and they meet with these people and they're always this and they use their gifts. They're really special. Well, God says, no, they're not really special. That's what they're supposed to do. And if you're not doing it, 
It's not that they're special and you're ordinary. They're ordinary and you're unfaithful. That's why it's such a hard passage. Because what we know from experience is that most believers are unfaithful. Most of us aren't living our lives for Jesus Christ. A lot of people have trusted in Christ as Savior and we're believers. But there are not a lot of people who say to God, I want my life to count for you. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll use my gifts, talents, and abilities. My life is yours. He says when we do the second thing, that's what we're supposed to do. Wow, that's so hard. May we in humility be faithfully serving our Savior, doing what is expected. What have we seen? Really hard passage this morning. The apostles wanted Jesus to increase their faith. So Jesus says, really not the amount of faith, it's the object of faith. Faith is taking God at his word based on his promises and power. Jesus taught of a faithful servant who did what he was supposed to do. And as believers, we're to be faithful doing what we're supposed to do. So let me give you some applications, okay? Here's the first one. Let's have an understanding of faith. Let's understand it because faith is really taking God at his word. It's trusting, it's believing, it's being persuaded that something is true. A, the key in faith is not, the key in faith is the object, not the amount. See, if you're sitting there going, if I just had more faith, if I just had more faith, what's the object of your faith? I've had people say, I hope I really believed in Jesus. It's not a question of really believing. There's no such thing in the scripture as really believing. The Bible never says whosoever really believes in him. It never says it. Look at it. There is no adjective. There's no adjective that says saving faith, by the way. The adjective is faith, and there's an object of the faith. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever really believes in Him? No. Whosoever believes in Him, the object of the faith is Jesus Christ. So just remember, the key in faith is the object. It's not the amount. B. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ and God's Word. For salvation... It's Jesus Christ. We trust in Him. He's the one who died and rose again for us. Uh, for our Christian life, it's the Word of God. Now, everything goes back to the Scripture. Even the things that we know about Jesus and His death and resurrection goes back to the Word of God. That's the key. The third thing, and this is not what Jesus is really answering, but the, our faith increases, our knowledge of God's Word increases. That's, that's the only way faith will increase. The more you know to trust and believe, that's how your faith increases. Second part of this, which is the really hard part, let's be faithful servants of Christ. A. It is expected of believers to be found faithful. In humility we serve him. See it's not that the faithful servants are the special ones and everybody else is just you know we're okay. The truth is the serving ones, the faithful ones, they're the ordinary ones. That's what you're supposed to do. And when we're not serving him we're not faithful. I know that's really hard. Because it's a scary thing to say to God, I just want my life to count for you. I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. I will, I'll live for you. I, I just want to be a faithful servant. I want to use the gifts, talents, and abilities. I want to be an ambassador. I want to be a witness. I want to make disciples. I just want to serve you. I want my life for you. It's a scary thing. But that's what you're supposed to do. So B, fulfill our responsibilities. We're ambassadors, we're making disciples, we're proclaiming God's word, we're using our gifts, we're bringing glory to God. So may we understand faith, taking God at his word, 
And may we be faithful servants of Christ, fulfilling our responsibility. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord, for these truths. It's really hard. Lord, we want to understand faith and, and that faith is, is just taking you at your word, believing, being persuaded that it's true. Lord, we know that the key in faith is the object, it's not the amount, because even the smallest faith can do great things. So it's, it's, we know it's the object of our faith, which is the key. Lord, thank you that the object of our faith for salvation is Jesus Christ and that as we go through life, the object of our faith is the truth from your word that we apply. And Lord, we know that the more we know, the more we can believe and trust. Lord, we just want to be faithful servants. Lord, this is so hard. We want our lives to count for you. And Lord, I know that... Uh, that my life did not really change until I started to serve you. Thank you that you saved me when I was 19, that I became a disciple and a servant when I was 25 or 26. Thank you, Lord. Lord, may we fulfill the responsibilities that you have for us because that's what is expected for us to do. And when we stand before you, Lord, we want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful Servant, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.